0: BiblioVile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find.
1: For this episode of BiblioVile, I read Dan Sherman's King Jaguar, and Mick read James Patterson by James Patterson.
0: Welcome. To BiblioVile, the Terrible Book Exchange Podcast, my name is Mick Dickinson. And
1: I'm Susan Dickinson. And
0: we are back here yet again, bringing you with only one microphone, the worst books that we could find either in a library or in the free books, because we're going to throw them away pile at my school. Which
1: was technically also a library. So
0: yeah, but apparently a
1: different library,
0: I suppose. Uh, but we are back here again on what is possibly the best day to record a high-energy intro. The first day of school. Oh, I thought
1: you just meant generally Tuesdays. I hate Tuesdays. As Arthur
0: Dent would say, I can't get the hang of Thursdays, mm. but Tuesdays have never been that bad for me.
1: Tuesdays have been rough ones for me.
0: Morrissey would, would agree.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So would Maury. Um <laughs> Rip. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really excited to record this episode because it was Mick's birthday recently. Happy birthday, Mick. Thank you. And as a birthday gift, he got a second microphone. Uh, and so, for
0: something like that, we'd need a, a very large number of microphones, wouldn't you? What? It's a reference to the Propellerhead song that's now our intro, but it's not the song where he says that, it's just a different Propellerhead song. When I was in elementary school, my two favorite bands were Propeller Heads and Radiohead, specifically OK Computer.
1: When I was in middle school, my favorite album was Rumors by Fleetwood Mac, and I also really liked Elton John.
0: Yeah, I think that's doable. But my favorite song in like third or second grade was Paranoid Android.
1: You are definitely a youngest child. I think I've just,
0: my musical taste has just been impeachable.
1: Hey Mick, what was your favorite movie when you were a little kid?
0: Uh, Brain Donors. (laughs) Uh, How I, old were
1: you when you first saw The Lion
0: King? Uh, uh, f- uh, freshman and co- sophomore in college. <laughs> the summer between sophomore and junior year of college. Uh, I can't remember a time when I hadn't seen Blazing Saddles, yeah. if that answers your question. You are
1: absolutely a youngest child. Yeah. Specifically a youngest child of much older brothers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, what are you going to do?
1: What are you going to do? But anyway, this microphone situation, um, we've got it set up. They're both clipped side by side to the desk. It looks great. looks like a studio. We can't figure out how to make them talk to each other. Somebody
0: didn't get a mixer. I don't know what that is. Except for this uh, uh, tonic.
1: I got plenty of this
0: mixer. A mixer is, the computer thinks it's one box, but the mixer knows. Uh It's two boxes. Two microphones. Two boxes? Two mics. Two um,
1: mics. So, Mick, you mentioned that you got this book from mm. the about-to-be-thrown-away pile at your school's library. Along with your next week's book. Uh, oh, God. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, but you also mentioned that you were back to school. How'd the first day go? It was all right. Yeah. Another That'll, year? Another, another dollar?
0: Another year without too many identifying factors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Ohio, they went on strike. In Iowa, I'm not allowed to do that or I, le- I lose my license. Yeah, that's... It's uh, kind of funny to imagine right now, uh, good luck without fucking teachers, state government.
1: Yeah, they're, they'll just hire um, people veterans. who don't have teaching licenses to teach. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah totally veteran, fine. Veterans and cops. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's going to go really well. Uh, anyway... Ooh, this is
0: not a lot of notes. No,
1: this is not a lot of notes, my friend, Uh-oh. because ask me about King Jaguar by Dan Sherman.
0: When you When I ask you, you're going to say, it was all right. Yeah, it yeah, was it's, all right. It's my bit.
1: I uh, know. I'm not going to let like you steal my it. bit,
0: but for for my own safety, if we look at the picture on the front of King Jaguar, we've got the 1940s movie <laughs> you've ever seen. <laughs> this is now the second person we know that went to Iowa State who has written one of our BiblioVile books. <laughs> Uh, it is a far-reaching novel of romance, intrigue, adventure, and vengeance by the Extraordinarily, Extraordinary New <laughs> – put that in quotes because this was published in uh, 1979 mm-hmm. uh, by Extraordinary New author Morris L. Oh, I'm sorry, Dan Sherman – the place is the lush Zingu Valley in the Amazon Basin, a modern frontier where the powerful competing interests struggle to get out a wealth of hidden oil and minerals. All right, I can see this being a, a postmodern thing, you know, like the oil company destroying the land. Uh, beneath this pillage by modern-day conquistadores, a love story is unfolding between a...
1: I don't even know what that word is. Fin de
0: uh, I don't know what that means, and I know a lot of throwaway French phrases. It's my raison d'etre. Uh gives you that... Je- Joie de vivre. Oh, it, it provides to me a certain je ne sais quoi that mm. I think is unresistible. Uh, but anyway, he's a CIA counterintelligence agent and her, examine your biases, quote unquote primitive colleague, also her target, the fair Robin Turner. Uh, I read the word primitive and assumed we were getting a white guy in loincloth uh, Tarzan type. Nope. Ah oh, well. This has been BiblioVile. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dickie... M- okay. I- so the
1: the one thing that I will say about this book is that it is extremely 1979.
0: Damn it! I was hoping it was extremely um, 1936. The
1: writing style... The Nazis are on the move. Just feels really outdated. Everyone's um, got huge pews. There's also some extremely outdated ways of referring to people. Um, like, folks indigenous to Brazil are constantly referred to as the Indians um Mm, mm, so there's some of that but overall it was fine uh this is a cia book gross yeah down the thumbs down so the my biggest beef is that the the first on the
0: amazon that's a lot of beef that's right there
1: the first chapter tells the story of a guy named robin turner a young cia agent and how he fell in love with another cia agent named julia they were down on an assignment in South America, and she he was tortured, she was murdered, and he wants to get revenge. Mm. That's your opening paragraph, is like a really quick rundown of this story, like this really intense love affair. Yeah. He swears to get revenge after her brutal murder. On the murder.
0: Sandinistas.
1: And I cannot imagine reading something more boring than that chapter. It, like it was almost impressive how they made that story so incredibly boring. Yeah. Just the writing style was very, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. I'm and sorry. Then this happened. I'm
0: sorry. Not to quibble. Yeah. But Morris L. West called uh, Dan Sherman a first rate storyteller.
1: It got better after that first paragraph because then we jump into like this is what's happening now kind of territory. But what happened to then? um she we're past, died we're past it yeah time skip
0: this is a spaceballs reference
1: oh i thought you were referencing our uh bingo card time skips. oh time skips. Um, Yeah, good call
0: i was referencing mm. more mel brooks movies
1: there are some kind of fun weird idioms that are used in this that also feel extremely dated but are very silly um like there is a guy uh a cia man who is referred to as a cadgy flim flam spy
0: right yeah, that's, that, that's not so bad it belongs in man from uncle right there
1: Um Julia, the the woman that he falls in love with at the very beginning uh, her her bosom is described thusly each breast fit nicely into the mouth of a champagne glass. <laughs> I suppose
0: in a world where breasts are not described except as perfect, it's like All that's right. at least descriptive. <laughs> I don't really know what it it's means. Just
1: confusing. It's um, no one
0: knows what it's mean. no one knows what it's mean, but it's evocative at the same time. Yeah. Huh?
1: They they fit nicely into the mouth of a champagne glass. Um there were a couple other things that I uh, that I wrote down or like quoted specifically, but overall for a cia book it's like it's a pretty good cia book it uh so robin um comes back after being tortured comes back to langley virginia and he asks to be reassigned to the archives he does not want to be out in the field anymore after julia's mm-hmm. murder and he his wants torture. to the u2 plane um well he i suppose this is the late 70s damn it
0: all my best cia references are the 60s
1: (laughs) um so he asks to be reassigned to the archives everyone who works in the archives really likes him um he is like almost exclusively described as being fair and gentle um like those are the only words what we really use to describe him um no wonder he can't take field work he's like he's really good at his job everybody really likes him he always like offers to cover for people or will take someone's shift so they can take an afternoon off and everyone just thinks he's kind no, of a nice guy i'm sorry
0: is this is this supposed to be him on the cover i
1: think so but he's described as being very young he was like 19 yeah, when the inciting incident happened that's, that's, that's like, an old man
0: that's kirk douglas now, Susan, he can't be 19 when the inciting incident happened because he would have had to have gone to Yale and been on the skull and bones. That's the only way you get into the CIA in the 70s. So
1: that's actually very interesting because that comes up. What? So this book sort of takes place as the old guard, like that kind of crew, the, the Yale people, the gentlemen spies. Um, are aging, and there are all these new people coming up in the CIA being
0: replaced by corporate lobbyists. Exactly. <laughs>
1: And there's a new director who's like, we're going to make some change in the CIA and is like driving out all of these people. And so really, this is a book about that sort of regime change in the CIA and like people's reactions to it. Damn it. Yeah. Um, and which was, which was kind of like, I actually really enjoyed that part. I thought it was really well Well, done. It's kind of like, I
0: told you that we were going to drive to the airport and you're like, this drive sounds really, really boring. And instead of driving to the airport, I took you literally anywhere else. And you're like, wow, this is a, this is more interesting. If I told you this was a book about regime change at the CIA, I don't think you would have found it as much fun. Our son is dabbing on the monitor currently. I
1: know. He's such a good baby. He's yeah. so silly when he sleeps. Um, please stay asleep all night.
0: Okay. Oh, him.
1: Um, But, so Robin, um, everyone thinks that he's just, you know, kind of recovering from this experience that he's had but actually he's plotting his revenge <gasps> so he's made a contact down in brazil he is plotting his revenge against kurt cole who's the man who has killed julia um and this so sounds he's like
0: a nazi that escaped
1: kind, he is hell i'm so fucking good at this <laughs> you are yeah You are really good at this. So he's finding out all of this stuff about Kurt Cole by like working in the archives. Um, And he's finding basically as much information as he can. He's helping his contact down in Brazil, basically build like a mercenary army and they're going to attack.
0: I was pro this story about killing Nazis, but then you told me that the CIA was building a mercenary army. Not
1: the CIA, just this guy. None of this has been cleared by the CIA. Nobody knows that he's doing it. Until he disappears. And so then, um, two other people who work in the archives are finding all of these references to, um, there's like sort of this shadow committee that like all these resources are getting routed to. They're trying to figure out what it is because no one actually knows about it. And it turns out, it turns out Robin has been stealing a bunch of money, stealing a bunch of weapons, uh, raiding the archives and is using cia resources to get his revenge
0: my brother once said he doesn't really understand what praxis is and quite frankly this is praxis
1: stealing money
0: (laughs) guns and resources from the cia to devote to killing fascists instead of supporting them during the 1970s is praxis
1: i mean yeah i think i think that's pretty good um then the woman uh who is sort of like going through the archives her name is christian uh she and her partner humphrey um they figure out that it's robin turner she goes down to brazil she winds up like finding him and instead of like trying to take him down or whatever she joins up with him yeah. she's gonna help him um and then they fall in sexy because he's too fair and gentle Meg. He's fair and gentle.
0: He's like, um, I'm sorry, but he's a Nazi, and I just really think that we have to kill all the Nazis. And I can take the Wednesday meeting that you're in <laughs> if that makes it easier to kill this Nazi.
1: Um, then there's a lot of just sort of the, the, the old guard of the CIA are just sort of reckoning Swinging with like. Manhattan's
0: and um, passing out. I mean,
1: yeah. Uh, they're talking about Robin. He's harder to pin down than one would think. What makes you say that? Well, I mean that yes, in one sense, Robin Turner is a sort of traitor. After all, he secretly used us for his own ends. But somehow, traitor doesn't satisfy; doesn't completely explain it. Perhaps it's too strong a word. Yes, he's gone dirty, but not for the usual reasons. Um, blah blah. blah. Harry May, Kim Philby, I can account for those two. They believed in history, which is the communist substitute for God and man. But how do we account for a Robin Turner? Can we say that he was morally justified in lying and stealing because of the pain, the loss that he suffered? Can we say that because Kurt Cole is an evil man that Turner is justified? I would think that these are questions worth considering. And so, like, a lot of the back of the book is this sort of, like, old guard of the CIA just sort of reckoning with, like, we're kind of responsible for this happening. Like we put him and Julia from the beginning of the book in this situation. Like we didn't take down people like Kurt Cole.
0: We were too busy on focused. We were too focused on assassinating John Milliard Kane.
1: <laughs> um, and so. This is they, a fucking deep cut. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> I just laughed. Um, then they're also kind of talking about like the changes in the CIA. I mean, it's not the same anymore, is it? Uh, the world's changed. The companies changed. Some say for the better. What do you say? The old man was breathing hard in crisp air. Leaves were cracking under his shifting weight. I miss the old clubhouse feel, if that's what you're driving at. But I suppose we are less insular now, more responsive to the mood of the nation. Fucking vaginas. Whatever the hell that means. Yeah. Um. So, like, the whole back of the book is basically, like, all of these old guys sort of reckoning with their role in bringing the CIA to where it is and that they don't really have a role in it anymore um but then one of them says like they're talking about like you know isn't this kind of like the old days as they're trying to track down robin turner harlan told himself this part is the old days tramping out through some desolate field so that the microphones don't pick you up plotting a man's murder within the fabric of a guarded chat no wonder robin turner turned out as he did we've shown him all the moves um, so in the end, uh, they Robin and his contact down in Brazil wind up taking down Kurt Cole. Um, they Good. do kill him. Yes. Uh, they sort of foil his plot of uh, getting a bunch of oil from this particular part of Brazil and then selling it to the highest bidder. Uh, the then most wouldn't you know, thing. The CIA winds up taking over the oil field and figuring out who's going to take it on. And Exxon buys the rights to the land. So a happy ending for everyone.
0: Oh, man. Um, that is delicious.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's delicious. It's,
0: I, oh, man, that's delicious. It's so good. and yeah, so good. And then, I, I haven't read it, but from what I'm just triple crossing my uh-huh. fingers about that's like ironic in yeah. the book right yes oh thank god it okay. is yeah oh, no, no, no. it is oh. it absolutely
1: is okay and then um we don't like you we don't jump to the perspective of christian and robin like we don't see them living happily ever after like it ends with the perspective of the people that are still in the cia and like they just disappear. They mm-hmm. just disappear. They have successfully disappeared, which is what they like. Been which was their goal. To, that i oh they've been trained to do. It's Jason Warren. Um, and so they just disappear. Um and it's it's pretty good. It's, it's a good story. It's very seventies. Yeah. Um But
0: like most things in the seventies, it turns out to be better at it than yeah. the other the yeah. other decades. It is
1: it is not like The seventies
0: are better at rock. The mm-hmm. seventies are better at cocaine,
1: oh, the seventies yeah. are better at film and apparently books apparently we should read more books from the 70s and do more cocaine from the 70s no i think i'm good with that one okay um but yeah this like the book was not really what you thought it simultaneously is and isn't what you thought it was
0: gonna be oh sue i thought this was going to be woman goes to brazil and then guy shows up and he's like Like, you thought it was gonna be a tarzan kind of thing yeah Yeah. so no i'm thankful that it wasn't i'm not yeah but this sounds actually Pretty good. Although the CIA still is represented as mildly the good guy. But when compared to Nazis, it's hard to lose. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So. so. Yeah, that th- was. a uh... Good thing the CIA and Nazis have nothing to do with each other anymore. Uh, y- Law and order yep. in this country is continually opposed to good. Nazis. Holy. <sighs> young
1: Anyway, so that was King Jaguar by Happy Dan Sherman. I got you, after being on a wait list for it for about 10 weeks, I got you James Patterson by James Patterson. How was
0: James Patterson by James Patterson, Mick? James Patterson by James Patterson, I fully believe, was written by James Patterson because it is the ravings of a boomer madman. It's the only book James Patterson has actually written in about 25 years. Okay, in about 25 years. I was going to say, I believe he's written at least a quarter of his books. Oh, I
1: think he wrote the early ones, and then I think ghost writers have figured out how to copy his style. Probably. Can I help you?
0: How do I look up highlights?
1: Um, James Patterson by James
0: Patterson is obviously supposed to be James Patterson's On Writing by Stephen King, which I've read a couple times. I, I am a hobbyist that never partakes in his hobby writer, that never actually ever finishes his hobby. Imagine if someone was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a woodworker. I love to buy a bunch of wood, and then I sand it down and then I buy more wood and sand it down. And, like, it's it's to that extent. I mean,
1: that's kind of how I am with knitting. I like to buy yarn and start a Susan, project.
0: Susan, how many baby uh, stocking hats did you make for the hospital?
1: Several. Uh, well, probably 150. But I haven't knitted All right, in a so while. So
0: that is the exact opposite of what I'm talking about because you complete them and help people and I do projects that don't do anything for anybody because I never finished them, and even if I
1: did, they weren't helpful. Uh, The only note that I just saw, I'm trying not to peek at your notes, but I did just see, oh, no. Oh, no, with a robot face. Why the robot face?
0: I don't know. It's funnier to go, oh, "Oh, no.
1: Oh, no. It's a comedy bang-bang reference.
0: But uh, James Patterson by James Patterson, like I said, is obviously supposed to be the on-writing. Stephen King, who is comparable to James Patterson in the aims of his writing, if nothing else.
1: And the uh prolif prolifery. Yeah, the Prolificness?
0: Pr- his prolific nature. The prolifer proliferation. The
1: amount of books that he yeah, wrote. Yeah, the,
0: the 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 words. The volume. The number of words. Uh yes. Quantity. But I fully believe Stephen King wrote all of them because Stephen King's on writing is basically I'm a fucking little weirdo. Yeah. Like is his Stephen King writes on writing as two-thirds biography, one... Th- eh, I don't know, pretty half and half. It's been a while since I read it. And Stephen King writes it in pretty direct run. It's like, here has been my life. I grew up watching weird horror, and then I grew up writing weird horror, and then I make a living writing weird horror. And then I did a fucking lot of cocaine and drank a lot of booze, and then I got hit by a goddamn car, and now I'm sober and still writing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? That's his biography yeah. portion. And then the, the on-writing... He's straight, like he's straight up and down. Is like never plot anything. And as soon as you read on writing by Stephen King, you're like, oh,
1: yeah. Dude just <laughs> sits down in the morning and goes.
0: No, that is that is no. He, he said, yeah. He says, I like you need to write a certain number of words a day. That is his recommendation. Y- even Not, if
1: you delete all of them.
0: No, just keep writing. Yeah. Don't delete them. Just no. What I mean, it. like
1: even if later on oh, they yeah, wind sure. up getting deleted. Um.
0: And so like write a certain number of words a day. And he's like for you. Start out with, like, 500, 600 words a day. Me, I write 10,000 words a day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, now I get it. Like, I fully believe he edits what he writes. But it makes a lot of sense that he's really good at rising, middle, climactic action, and terrible with uh, the Daniel uh, Terrible with the endings of his book because he's like, this is so good. How do I finish it? Fuck. I didn't <laughs> think of that part. But it's a really great book for anybody. On writing is amazing because it says, here's the, like, he says the number one tool in your toolbox as a writer is your vocabulary, right? Like mm-hmm. the number one way you tell stories with the words you choose and choose not to use. And you need to study people. And he's basically, this is very funny now, given his presence on Twitter, but this is a pre-Twitter book, which I think maybe has ruined him a little bit. It's been Twitter. Uh, is like, I don't r- look at the internet when I go online. I have a book in my back pocket or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I fully believe that... Stephen King is quite terminally online. Yeah. As am I, to be fair. Uh, I'm dying of it. That's what terminally means, I guess. But uh, James Patterson wanted to write on writing, but he's fucking James Patterson. So he called it James Patterson instead of on writing.
1: James Patterson by James Patterson. On writing was taken.
0: Sure. He could have written. He could have called it shitty genre books. The book. Uh, How to airports. Uh, he has a, uh, a table of contents at the beginning of his book, and his table of contents is stylized that they're all E.E. E. Cummings style, no capitals, no punctuation. Cute. Which is not how he writes his books. No. Because he writes in the most sort of like, hey, here is the rules of writing, and which is not bad. I don't mind. I write by the rules of writing. The the most, and she's a notorious turf, but the most I ever get out of the rules of writing is sometimes JFK, JFK, <laughs> JK Rowling. Does like he tried to pick up the suitcase and oh, it looked like it was too heavy for him and he fell over. Like, she does kind of a run on sentence, and that's the most I can do to break the rules. Like, I like that breaking the rules. I'm no Cormac McCarthy in a number of Mm -hmm. ways, but James Patterson is perhaps the most genre uh, of like fitting, so it's very weird to do E.E. Cummings' uh, table of contents styles. However, his table of contents has a hundred, one hundred, and Forty nine sections. One hundred and forty-nine sections. Are they all really
1: short? Like, I wonder how many pages yes. are in this book.
0: Not many, and I still didn't finish it. Uh,
1: I'm gonna look up how many 149 pages. One hundred and
0: forty-nine chapter titles. He said he's learned to do short chapters. And I'm like, not this fucking short, bud. And I'll talk about what happens in some of these chapters. He says early on that one thing he's learned about... Like, I'm there's ellipses in here. One thing uh-huh. I've learned about writing books... Uh, Sorry. One thing I've learned about writing books is to tell stories. Very profound, James. I said so wise. Very
1: profound.
0: He said uh, early on that he had a, quote, goofy high IQ, And just as a helpful reminder, if anyone ever talks about their IQ, whatever number they've just said. It's bunk. It's bunk. But whatever number they've said, knock off 30.
1: Uh, The average length of chapter is 2.46 pages.
0: I believe it. Uh, He says that he went to a makeout party in sixth grade. You know, all those makeout parties. He's still a virgin. (laughs) Um, And then she manages to tell us that she died. Jesus.
1: Is every, that bad of a kisser?
0: Every uh, later. Every single one of his stories, his chapters, reads like an email forward where he's like, Would you believe it? Famous person happened, and then I saw it. Uh he name drops constantly, even people that he didn't really get involved with. Uh he says he has nine holes in one, and even scored one on his birthday. Uh, I don't believe you about that or anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, He frequently uh, thinks it's, not frequently, but at least three times, uh, does the whole thing about, like, it happened on a Wednesday or maybe a Tuesday, and it's like, you have the power to rewrite these paragraphs. This is not a, you are either dictating this or not. And if you're dictating it, then whoever you're dictating it to needs to revise it. I cannot stand when people revise what they're saying in narration.
1: It's bad enough when someone does that when they're like verbally telling you a story because yeah. then it's just like sometimes I'm kind of a boring storyteller, and so I will get stuck on details like that and be like, no actually, I think it was two o'clock or whatever, yeah, but not in a book that presumably had an editor indeed. His chapters are
0: so short that they're about one thing, but the one thing that they're about is not revealed at all from the beginning of their narration. So I'm going to read you uh, a quick little thing. One snowy winter Wednesday, I want to see... Like, this is literally a chapter. Like, this is what it is. So apparently somebody chiseled it in stone somewhere that you have to suffer for your art, but all art isn't suffering. So he went to watch... uh, uh, Matinees. One snowy winter Wednesday, he went to uh, uh, New York in the 70s, so he met everyone famous that ever happened. Oh, good. I went to see Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead at the Alvin Theater on West 52nd Street. I was totally pumped up to see the play, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, the tragic comedy that playwright Tom Stoppard had adapted from Hamlet parenthetical the title characters in Stoppard's play have minor roles in shakespeare's fucking thanks james patterson yeah i
1: I got it thank you
0: was already famous from its run on london's national theater the reviews were burnt and i shook snow out of my hair and entered the theater thinking i'm a young artist i'm gonna be a writer i can do this
1: i can do what Walk into a theater and go see a
0: play? Writing. I don't know. I loved the first act. And the second, I was lost in Stoppard's words and the crazy plot to kill Hamlet so that Rosencrantz could marry Ophelia. Wikipedia. Meanwhile, seated next to me were two women around my age who I didn't know from Rosencrantz or Guildenstern. At the start of the third act, one of them reached over and started rubbing my leg. I got distracted because I started being horny. Last paragraph, so much for theater, so much for art. Real life wins every time. Hormones win. To this day, I don't know exactly what happened at the end of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, and I don't particularly care. End of fucking chapter. This book is the ravings of a boomer madman. First of all,
1: I don't think that that happened. I don't think that happened. Uh, Second of all, what was the point of telling that story? Nothing. Nothing in here has any point. It's It's because he's a virgin and he wants to make you think that someone touched his leg once. It's not
0: leading us to a greater understanding of the writer Stephen King knows how to develop characters yeah. and so he develops himself as a character in on writing he's like I grew up a weird kid in Maine that was not particularly popular I watched a lot of b-fucking movies yeah and wrote these like pulp fiction like pulp horror short stories, and got a shit ton of rejection. Like, I read to a uh, 40% of the way through this book, and he'd been rejected once. Like, Mm -hmm. he's not talking about writing throughout most of this. Uh, Stephen King, by 10% of the way through, is getting rejected stuff. And he's talking about, Stephen King talks about, like, every single time anybody said anything specific, it was the light of my life, because that meant that they had read it. That meant that they had engaged with it in some way, even if they hated it. And he's just like, they didn't like it. They sent it back. And then I went and made a lot of money as an ad man on... Uh, I was in the the show Mad Men or whatever. Like, he talks about that. And it's just... And he references Stephen King. And it's, it's clearly... You know how, like, this is not applicable to the writers in their quality or style, but it is mildly applicable in their relationship to each other. You know how Donald Trump clearly just wanted to be a better president than Obama? Yeah. Really bad, and so instead of being a president at all he just sort of wanted to be better than obama at yeah. things that or is... wanted
1: to undo what obama had done yeah, yeah
0: but that is that is james patterson who is not trying to be a writer but he definitely has this sort of defensive nature against stephen king the guy who sells as many books as him writes slightly fewer books than him but writes far better books mm-hmm. and so he has this very defense mechanism about like oh i got to write with bill clinton and all this stuff Oh yeah, you read that one. Yeah, I did. Uh, and so it's it's very clearly against Stephen King, and it's and he references Stephen King once that said Stephen w- King one time told me that or one time said that I was a terrible writer. I don't know if that's true, but I wrote this book and this book was terrible, which is clearly supposed to be self effacing and it's more like a self-owned that it's like you did not defend yourself very uh, applicably again yeah. or well against uh, the ac- accusations of you being a terrible writer. He is just a boomer raving boomerly. Uh, I hate your touch, Kindle, because I can't make it happen. One single chapter is about working rock shows in New York, seeing Hendrix, seeing The Doors, and then a certainly not true story post-Doors concert about getting high and hanging out with Jim Morrison that ends with Jim Morrison climbing onto the stage lights, swinging back and forth, saying, I'm never going to die, I'm Jim Morrison, I die in Paris later, I'm the Lizard King, Uh, Val Kilmer will play me in a movie type uh, things. And then the last quote of the chapter is, quote, I'm really glad I didn't see Jim Morrison die.
1: What the fuck?
0: One different chapter is literally just my grandma reported my dead grandpa as missing because she had the dementia and now she is herself dead.
1: Wow. No wonder this guy pays ghostwriters. He just doesn't have a lot of good stuff to go off of here.
0: He went to a college called Manhattan College. Manhattan College was more competitive and a whole lot tougher. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani went to Manhattan. So did two Southern District of New York DAs, Ronald Ellis and John Keenan. Former city, former New York City Police Commissioner Ray Kelly is a Manhattan grad. But so is Thomas Gambino. Completely of Gambino crime family. Hey, it takes all kinds to play cops and robbers. Thank you for referencing. At least six incredibly corrupt people. This has made me doubt the idea of Manhattan College, a college Mm. I had never heard of before. I've never heard of Manhattan uh, College. As being one of the cesspools of humanity. It is certainly one of the most worst places in existence. Rudy Giuliani, (laughs) two New York district attorneys a police commissioner of the NYPD and a, a mob, mob boss. boss. And quite frankly, I believe the mob boss was somehow the least corrupt of those people.
1: <laughs> they at least have standards. They, uh,
0: yeah, you know, they wear suits that don't melt off of them. <laughs> um, there's just a lot of chapters that begin one way, uh, but don't uh, end in a way that you can at all predict which is sort of uh, kind of funny. Writing 101 is the name of this chapter. I remember this as if it happened just the other day. It was 1968, a brutal, heartbreaking, soul-searching year. MLK Jr. and Robert Kennedy were murdered. Richard Nixon defeated Hubert Humphrey. Vietnam was on fire. I think it was something about that confusing, terrifying time that got me thinking about seriously about trying to be a writer, trying to get some truth out of my head and down on paper. I was a boomer, he seems to say. I was alive in the most important time in the world ever. It was 1968. I was a rich enough white man. Therefore, the life was mine. Here's the last paragraph. uh, The last two paragraphs. But, but, uh, no, I'm sorry. I can't even read the last two paragraphs because it's nothing. He just sort of says, I took a credit... The professor told me you're right well enough, but stay away from fiction. Uh, But my problem with authority continues, so I started writing short stories a week. Something about that early self-training seemed to work out. I think it's still operating okay. Hey, if it can make my life story interesting, I can make any storyline work. Why did you bring up MLK?
1: And also, your life story is not that interesting.
0: He likes to pretend he's the, the, the you know, I always look at life through the root of a blue-collar guy. And it's like, you went to a private Catholic school? I was going to say, he school. sounds like he was in Then he went to a pri- He wasn't, but according to this book. But then you went to a private Catholic school for high school, you went to a private Catholic school for college, then you went to grad at Vanderbilt. This is not the life of a, you know, Johnny-come-lately, he made no, it good. No, not at all. Whatever. Uh... Then he works in... The, fucking this Kindle sucks. He works in uh, the ad agency, and he's the one who came up with Would You Believe All of These Ads That You've Heard Of. Oh, uh, I'm sure. And that's how he got rich. Uh, of the 50-plus creatives we eventually hired, only one didn't work out, and that's because he was claustrophobic and couldn't be in an office. My favorite hire turned out to be my eventual kid's book partner... Sure. And pal Chris Grabenstein, which I'm pretty sure some of his ghostwriters have called him Grabenstein, if you know what I mean. Another good hire, Dan Staley, went on to become a producer on Cheers. Tony Perrier wrote the original screenplay for the hit movie Eraser, with Arnold Schwarzenegger not exactly literature of the movies, or as some people will call it, cinema. (laughs) Craig Gillespie directed I, Tanya. Good for all of them. End of chapter. (laughs) It doesn't exist except to drop names of which people you didn't help. You just hired once in an industry not related. Yeah. James Patterson spends an entire book saying, I don't fucking know. In February, I ate some chocolate and got a tummy ache. Here's some people that are vaguely famous. (laughs) So I didn't read the whole thing. Because what more do I have to learn about the man who says nothing?
1: I mean, you could have gotten more great stories.
0: I could have, yeah, learned more about the way the 70s truly were, man. I could have learned what it was like to reg- to work with a, a suspected sex criminal, dude. That's Bill Clinton.
1: Since the coronavirus outbreak, we've heard a lot of praise for workers as heroes, which I think is a good thing. It's why I decided to write the nonfiction bestseller, ER Nurses. Which is also a
0: porn I've seen.
1: Our nurses definitely are mega heroes. Real life ones. Yeah. Thanks, James Patterson. Thank you.
0: Thank you for the help. Uh, Also teachers. But... Uh, yeah, James Patterson spent his entire book about himself talking about shit that didn't matter.
1: Oh, no. Well, maybe it's okay to hate the Red Sox or the Yankees or Tom Brady. Nah, you can't hate the GOAT. That's greatest of all time for all you non ESPN fans. By the way, I very
0: much can hate Tom Brady. He is a fucking ghoul, and I hate him. (laughs) One thing that's fun about sports is you get to say things like, you only like him because he's good.
1: I mean, yeah, fair. Um, oh, good. Here's another. I'm just looking at the, the um, excerpts that you didn't read out loud, and this is the one where he talks about looking at life through a blue-collar lens and describes himself as a working-class storyteller.
0: That's why he gets to work with Rhodes Scholar Bill Clinton.
1: Yeah, a, uh, a man with a terminal degree in fine arts and... He has PhD, doesn't he? Didn't you say he did his PhD at Vanderbilt? he didn't finish it. Oh. You said
0: terminal degree, and I was like, his college education is going to kill him? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, All right,
0: but that is, I think, going to do it for me for James Patterson. Oh,
1: man. That's, I think that's probably a good idea for us to both be done with James Patterson.
0: Forever. Um... I'm going to prove my love to Jennifer Lloyd. <laughs>
1: one day or one idea that I did have for a bibliophile theme years ago was that we should pick authors who had written over like 25 or 30 books. Mary
0: Higgins Clark has written at least seven books. <laughs>
1: no, I was just about to tell that story. Uh, you've already told it. Aww. Um. but for those of you who haven't heard that story. So I was looking up how many books Mary Higgins Clark had written and Google answered, <laughs> At least seven. <laughs> At least seven. At least seven. Danielle Steele
0: has written over five books. Yeah. Prove me wrong.
1: James Patterson, he's got a couple.
0: Yeah. Few 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 to several.
1: Yeah, few to several. Many lots. Many
0: books. Uh so that is going to do it for this week of Biblio. Sorry that it's coming out a couple hours late, but uh we didn't record it until now.
1: Um, We both have each other's books, but we both forgot them upstairs. So So you'll have to uh, wait and find uh, out. We'll we'll let you know. You have my book? Yeah, I got it from a little free library like two months ago. Oh, that's what you're doing? Okay. Yeah, it's a a collection of stories about knitting. Oh, I
0: cannot wait. (laughs) Ha ha. All right. Uh, that is going to do it. You can find me on Twitter at Biblio, or you can find me on Twitter at Dickie Ma. You can find the
1: podcast at Bibliovile. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. The intro music for this episode was Propeller Heads. Oh, yeah.
0: Off the album. Decks and drums and rocks and roll.
1: Good night, Tony.
0: Miss you.